Welcome to Return to Odyssey. I'm Rachel Sternad. And I'm Josh Sternad, and this is our first episode of our podcast. And our plan is to take a deep dive into the Focus on the Family radio series, Adventures in Odyssey. Since we are writers and editors ourselves, and as well as Christians, we plan on covering basically all aspects of the show. Storytelling, character work, mm-hmm. theology, nostalgia, since we grew up with the series. Yeah, it was a big part of both of our childhoods. So we really want to cover this thing from all angles. Everything about this show. And pretty much everything is up for grabs. We'll talk Mm -hmm. about what we like, what we don't like, what works, what's aged well, what has not aged well. Well, because when did the the show originally start? Uh, It was in the 80s. It was like 1986 or 87. 87 was the first episode. Yeah, so mm, over 30 years ago. So times change. And uh, this is kind of a time capsule into our childhood, into evangelical Christianity in America in the 90s into a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And we're going to just kind of, I don't know, have have fun with it. We started this for fun, really. It was was like two days ago. We somehow were talking about Odyssey, which has is a recurring conversation. And you said, what if we did a podcast just talking about this stuff? And that kind of snowballed. And here we are. Yeah, this kind of just came out of the blue. So anyway, speaking of which, let's start off just by talking about memories that we have as children with Odyssey in general, because we both did grow up about it. When is your first memory of listening to Odyssey? Oh, I don't know what my first was. Oh, I was little. Because we had them on cassette tapes. I don't think yeah. I listened to them on the radio initially. We, I never listened we to would them listen. on the radio. Until they had internet radio, and we would go and find episodes. But no. we started listening to them on cassette when they had albums. Well, we did have them. We did listen to them on the radio. So at my house, actually Saturday mornings, we didn't watch a lot of TV. We didn't watch a lot of Saturday morning cartoons. We would a little bit. But Saturday mornings, the local Christian radio station near us would run kids' shows. And they always started off with some, like, really, really low-budget ones, like the Children's Bible Hour and Ranger Bill. And, I don't know, there were one or two other ones. Patch the Pirate, maybe, or something like that. But then... Definitely is missing an eye, apparently. Yeah, I think he lost his eye to cancer. I heard that somewhere. And then, then he developed down. the Patch the Pirate persona. But anyway, after like you get through those, then the good shows would come on, which was Adventures in Odyssey. And what I liked even better was Jungle Jam and Friends. And it was weird, like almost Monty Python-y type humor. That was by the same producers? It was, yeah. Phil Lawler and uh, those guys. Oh. And maybe someday we'll talk well, about those extensive. The Jungle Jam. Um, Yeah, the albums for those are, like, really expensive now because they're out of print, so you got to kind of... Track them down. Yeah. But anyway. So we would listen to them on the radio. We would listen to Adventures in Odyssey or on cassette tapes, and they came in those jewel cases, kind of like... that really lovely chunk sound when you open them and close them. That was always so satisfying. Yeah, like the the classic Disney movies would come in. in those uh, kinds of albums. Those plastic boxes. So yeah, that was, and we had a lot of them. So anyway, what? Mm-hmm. How, where did you listen to them mostly? Um, my first memory of listening to Adventures in Odyssey was one of the houses that we were renting on the way back from being overseas. 
listening to Waylaid in the Windy City, which is, I think, my introduction to Dr. Blackard. And being rather freaked out, I was six. Six? Five. Being rather freaked out by his laugh. They had a very good voice actor for that. That, I think, is my first memory of Adventures in Odyssey. We did a lot of listening while we were going to sleep. We did a lot of listening in the car, especially because we did lots of driving when we moved to North Carolina. We did lots of driving mm-hmm. back and forth. I'm an MK, so we had to go see all of our supporters. And we would listen in the car. And that's often when we would get our new albums. That was always very exciting when we got new adventures not to see albums to listen to on road trips. And we would listen some on road trips. I think that some of it drove my parents a little bit crazy, so we wouldn't listen to tons of those on road trips. I think that was um, one of the few things my parents could stand listening to. We we would listen we would listen to, to some of it. Well we listened to also a lot of like audiobooks and stuff like that on road trips too. Mm. Oh and Focus on the Family Radio Theater came out. Yeah. That and was a huge deal. Those were pretty awesome. That was my actual introduction to Les Mis. Uh, was through the Focus on the Family Radio Theater production. Yeah, that was my introduction to Ben-Hur, and then I read the book, and it was awesome. Yeah, lots, so, lots of classics. When did you actually stop listening? Because neither of us have listened to them for a long, long time. Yeah, it's been probably, gosh, I don't know, like 20 years probably for me. Maybe a little less than that. I was probably like in middle school or early high school when I stopped I think we got through, or I know I got through at least, like, the Darkness Before Dawn sequence, and probably a little past that, but I don't have a lot of really distinctive memories past that. I don't I haven't even looked at the wiki or anything for album order or anything, so maybe there's albums that I'm really familiar with that were actually after that. I don't know what the timeline was. We stopped listening... Somewhat after Novacom, I think for me, the clincher was the album in which Mandy's parents get divorced. And we were all like, well, that was very poorly handled. And I think we just kind of gave up. And by that point... Well, and you're getting way ahead. I don't even know that character Oh, yeah. No, you wouldn't know that character. But yeah, by that point, my sister and I were in high school. Actually, I think my sister was out of high school. And um, my brother was not as into them as we were, and so it just sort of fell out of... Yeah, and my younger sisters, they listened to some of it, but I don't think they were really into it the way that we were. It's a very specific generation, I think, Yeah. that listened to a lot of Odyssey. Yeah. If you were a Christian kid in the early 90s... Well, part of it, too, uh, is that that was the best quality audio drama for kids in that era. And we didn't have internet. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm not not sure that there's a lot of audio drama for For kids, kids. period. Well... You know, just... Yeah, there's... It's its its own unique thing. If you look for it, there is better stuff. There's stuff I have for David that's podcasts. David is our son, by the way. Sorry, David's our son. Um... But I wonder, I do wonder if kids didn't grow up as much on the radio once we switched over to internet. Well, and Because you have a bigger dissemination of culture. Well, and it's different for different kids in different generations. And different according to what you grow up with. When, when I was teaching high school classes, I would always, on Halloween, play the classic War of the Worlds broadcast, Orson Welles. 
And I thought it was a fun activity, but the kids were bored to tears. Oh, the kids, weren't there some kids that were like, this is cool? Yeah, no, I had like an AP class where the kids were really smart and really into stuff, and they thought it was awesome. But most of the kids were like, this is so boring. I'm like, guys, space aliens invading the world. This is a classic, you should know this. Yes. So some of it is a matter of not... It turns on a different part of your brain to mm-hmm. listen to an audio drama and to immerse yourself in that world. And I don't know that a lot of kids are familiar with that these days. Podcasts are a new way of kind of yes, sharing that you, kind of stuff. Now. If you want some good storytelling, look into podcasts because audio drama has become a big thing. Well, and, B- do, and, BBC, and BBC puts out some really good ones still to if this day. If you can day. get a hold of BBC um, ones. Other companies like Big Finish, also Big Finish Productions is a British audio production company. Or even like Graphic Audio. I've listened <laughs> to a lot of those. And, uh, if you like good pulpy fun. And they're very cheesy. I've listened to a lot of DC Comics stuff, mm-hmm. Batman and Superman stories, but they're... They're hokey. They're well produced, but you know what you're getting when if you, you want get some into good, them. Good, pulpy fun. But it, anyway, we, we seriously digress. I'm gonna pause this really quick. So that leads us now to why. Why so, are we doing this podcast beyond for funds? Yeah, what do you expect to get out of this? Why revisit Odyssey all this time later? Do you want to answer the question first, or shall I? Oh, I ask first, okay. so you can answer. So. I guess for me, it's fun. I have very fond memories of Odyssey. Stuff still comes to me from Odyssey quotes. Randomly, we will quote Odyssey at each other. Yeah, just like um, any other movie or anything yeah, that's yeah. become it, part it of our part lexicon. Of your, yeah. And so I'm expecting to have a lot of fun going back and listening to all these episodes. Some I might remember, some I might not have heard before because we didn't start at the beginning when we were kids. And so I don't know if I have even heard of all the old albums. I don't know if I've heard those. So that's going to be exciting for me because those were super fun. Also, like we said before, we have a son. He's 18 months old. It'll be nice. He's He's still still too young young for for Odyssey. He's not going to appreciate it. But having them now, because we have to buy them for the podcast. So having them already to give him is going to be fun. Well, and it gives us a chance to kind of curate a list of of the best ones that we want to share with us. We've already had conversations about times when Odyssey was not as good as it could have been. And And other times when it is awesome. Mm -hmm. And so there is a degree of fear and trepidation that I'm going back to these with because sometimes things are better in your memory than they are when you revisit them. So I don't want to wreck my childhood memories. Yeah, no. We're, I don't think we we're no will longer kids. wreck them. But, but also, there's a little bit of fear and trepidation, but also a lot of excitement to revisit and reconnect with these characters that I love. Uh, there's characters and stories mm-hmm. that yeah. were, like I said, a big part of my childhood and stuff that I love and stuff that I thought was funny. Yeah. And a lot of humor and a lot of drama and a lot of just fun storytelling. Mm-hmm. So for me, this is a trek down memory lane. I think in the very best sort of way uh, is what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, so am I. So do you want to dive into actually episode one? Yes. Wits Flop. Wits Flop. From the album right now is called The Adventure Begins. We are using Focus on the Family's actual albums. We bought it from the site as a digital download. And it's it's like 13 bucks. Yeah. 
pretty reasonable. But we're but, not getting paid to do this, by the way. So this is not an official Odyssey podcast. They have one. You can go look at it. Yeah, we're not affiliated. But we're not with affiliated Focus with Focus on Family or anything like that. Unless that was not clear. However, if you have them, or if you go to witsend.org, I think they have when it's playing on the radio, and you want to listen to it before you hear us talk about it. Awesome. Go do that. What is the album title? The album title is The Adventure Begins. Originally, it was called The Early Classics, and we had to actually go look this up because we were like, wait a second, if they aired in the 80s, didn't we? Yeah. Why did they call it The Early Classics? Because everything started getting put into albums. The album came out in like 1991, 1992, something like that. So... Essentially, these are the first episodes of the early classics. And I'm not sure why all of the old albums that we had when I was a kid, they've all been renamed now, and they all have different artwork on the covers and stuff, and I'm not entirely sure why that is. It's gone through various different iterations, which is an interesting, if you are that nerdy about it, an interesting... Rabbit trail to get down. Maybe we'll talk about that at some point, not today. Yeah. But anyway, so we listened to the first episode that was aired, and we're going to talk about it now. And it starts off with a sketch at the beginning of the the series. It has a host named Chris, who winds up dropping off later in the series. She's there for a while, though. But she is, yeah. She's kind of iconic as the host. And for a while, they had these sketches with her and some random character. In this one, it's a plumber. Funny thing. Well, well, Chris is weird because her real name is Chris. The actress's real name is Chris. Yeah, Chris Anthony Lansdowne. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. But she's the only character, to my knowledge, who uses her real name. Yeah. Which is, everything she does is weird and meta. She's talking directly to the audience, breaking the fourth wall, mm-hmm. while engaging Well, and in there's at least one time where she's in the studio. Stuff. Like, she's even talking with the other producers well yeah not in this one but she's always breaking the fourth wall yeah oh funny story this actress also plays the voice of barbie and in a lot of animated specials she is barbie like you think about the barbie dolls that could talk the animated specials my sister had a barbie detective game and we would always joke about go on an adventure with chris because she was the voice of barbie in that game Josh did not believe me, or he did not I think that I know. meant actually Barbie so, when I told him that she was Barbie, because he thought I meant she acts like Barbie. Like, she's just so <laughs> chipper all the time, and then I looked her up on so IMDb and was like, did holy smokes, she, she is, is Barbie! Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, that's what I meant. So, yes, fun fact. So, well, there you go. But anyway, it starts off with her, and she's got a plumber. A plumber who didn't even finish plumbing school. And he's extraordinarily incompetent. And she's totally okay with him being extraordinarily competent, and she's paying him to fix her sink. Yeah, there's no talk about exchanging money or anything, but... Nobody thinks, and he even says, yeah, people say, I'm not a very good plumber. Oh, everybody deserves a chance. And Chris, you're getting your plumbing fixed. And he's flooding her house. He literally, like, she's well, like, I wonder, you hear her like, go, like, oh. Overflowing. She's like, oh, my floor. I'm like, oh, your floor is right. Who's paying well, for this? Well, I was wondering, and this is kind of a trope, what stuff is. You leave the water running and it overflows the sink. Not unless you have the drain plugged. It well, will go through the plumbing well, and down. Well, maybe the plumbing is that screwed up. Okay. The sink may be clogged. It we may don't be even clogged. know the, what it the, may be going the problem like is. Through the kitchen cupboard 
I don't know. But anyway, she's got this really, really, really incompetent plumber. Mm -hmm. And the whole sketch is all about how failure is a good thing. It's well, good that you're bad at plumbing. Who kept failing at all of these things, and then he became very famous. That's actually at the point in which I started remembering this episode, because I didn't remember the sketch until she started talking about he who shall not be named yet, because they don't reveal his name until the end of the episode. Yeah, the guy who failed at all kinds of stuff. But right. we'll talk about that more, I guess, at the end, because yeah. like Voldemort, you don't want to reveal his name, <laughs> which is okay. But anyway, okay. so she has this encounter with the plumber, yeah, and then the theme music kicks in, and for oh. both of us, it's just instant nostalgia overload. We are children again. Yeah, flood of the feels, you know, I'm six or seven years old listening to this, and that's pretty great, pretty special. Mm-hmm. And then uh, John Avery Whitaker comes on, and such an iconic voice, and such an iconic laugh. Like, I'd forgotten yeah. the way his laugh sounds, and it's just so nice to hear, again, this, you it's know... It's like the warm, fuzzy laugh. The big uncle. The favorite uncle that you want to go sit and hang out with. Yeah, a kindly, grandfatherly, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And in the theme music, and this was something that they did, they would have these characters give kind of a welcome to Odyssey speech. Mm -hmm. And this one that plays over multiple episodes, we won't reference it every time, but it's worth talking about now, is Wit messing around with some kind of machine that we're never told what it is. He's like, hey, welcome to Odyssey. And oh, let's see if this thing works. And then we hear a lot of cartoon yeah boing kind of like and he would go like whoa hold it oh i guess it needs a little more work and i have no idea what he's trying to accomplish what he's trying to build yeah and that's like the only yeah you have no idea what it is and that's one of the few times aside from this episode where he makes something that doesn't work. Yeah, something that happens with wit as the series progresses. This episode has several explosions, boings, because the faucet exploding. Yeah, the, yeah, had the plumber kind of, had, had it. It sounded weird... like little laser beams. Like, yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? What is going on? Yeah, it didn't sound like a normal plumbing disaster. No, it was weird. Um, but yeah, no, wit as the series progresses, obviously he's one of the central figures of this entire series. And he is supremely competent. Uh, we're not going to get real spoilery well, as we talk, they, they but talk, like, when they were creating Wit, they talked about trying to create a Renaissance man. Well, he's beyond—he's he yes. beyond Renaissance man, though. The he's, list of his accomplishments he goes into like, as the series goes you know, on is literally impossible. Like, <laughs> yeah. Nobody can do that much in one lifetime. But anyway. But yeah, so him to have this thing going haywire or whatever it is it's just not normal for him and as is kind of the central thing of this episode this failure this flop that he has do we want to go into that particular part yet or well no let's take the episode i guess chronologically as things jumped out at us so weirdly enough there are kid characters that become recurring characters, but it's not until a ways on in the series. Yeah, I don't even know. And this was something that's new information for me. We were listening to, actually, another Odyssey podcast just to... Kind of to make sure yeah. that what we want to do hasn't really been right. done. And they were talking about that 
the first few, I don't know how many episodes, they would have, like, one-off kid characters, which, listening to this one, I remember as a kid, assuming that I knew who David Hol- Davy Holcomb was, and I really didn't, because we only get to see him once in this show. Yeah, so. and so the kid characters don't get really developed characters, they're mm-hmm. just kind of there. Like they're not- Davy Holcomb is the klutz. Yeah, he's got a bit of personality, but not a lot. Well, um, and the funny thing is that his shtick is he's a klutz, but they only introduce him at the baseball game, and then he strikes out, and then the kids are talking about everything that happened that day at wit's end, and I think I've written several times in my notes, what else has Davy done previously that now yeah, he has get, this reputation, reputation, and he's so insecure about himself that he's... He yeah. can't do anything right. Yeah, as it goes, like, he's deeply insecure. Whoa. I had this Charlie Brown, oh, everything I touch gets ruined kind of thought. And yeah. with Charlie Brown, that's established to be true. I don't know that he has earned that, that Davy Holcomb has. But anyway, okay. let's, let's go. Baseball games is how the story begins, and he strikes out, and he's yeah. no good at baseball, and all of his teammates are happy. Well, and, and when Tom is like, we're two runs up, all we need is... Is this many outs? I'm like, oh, they're going to lose. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to lose the game. Which, by the way, the coach of the team is referenced at one point, Mr. Riley. Coach he, Riley. Coach Riley. And he is Tom Riley, who becomes a more important character as the series progresses. Yeah. But it, we barely hear from him. He's like a non-entity in this yeah, episode. Yeah, but it made me very happy that, oh my gosh, Tom Riley was in the it, first episode. Yeah, it was okay. a little bit of a nerd moment for us. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, yeah. him. He's actually here. Mm-hmm. Even though he didn't really matter to the story at all. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, and they lose, and then everybody comes into Wit's End, and we have a bit of you know, Bob, about who Davy is. And then, yeah, one thing that struck me, especially in this sequence with how Tom is treating Davy and how Wit is treating Davy, is there's it well, it reminds me of days when David is having a meltdown and I am trying to distract him or get him to <laughs> do yeah. something else, and it's like pulling teeth, and you feel like you're almost babying this person into yeah, good it's, humor. It's almost, they're almost coddling this kid. Yeah, Guys, you knocked over the flower pot. It's okay. We'll get another one. Move yeah. On. Well, and I think that's to be expected about some of these. Sometimes there's overreacting. It's kind of like acting on stage where you have to act really big so that people in the back can see you. Acting on screen is very, is much more subtle. stage acting maybe acting acting on on radio radio. needs to be big in order for people to really get your emotions Uh, and stuff you can do more subtle stuff but and maybe that was their philosophy at least as they were starting out maybe and a lot of things in odyssey are uniformly excellent the sound design we can joke about how weird some of the things sound but it was awesome from the Mm -hmm. start just top notch Mm mm-hmm sound effects and even most of the acting mm-hmm. we talked about uh mr whitaker so they actually go to uh wit's end which becomes obviously the hub of all activity in right. adventures and odyssey so and it's this weird ice cream shop museum thing which davy apparently has not been there granted this is something that works for this first episode is that you need somebody who has not been there because that's a very good natural way to introduce everybody else to what's going on. Although they didn't have much introduction. You get weird displays 
and, and Inventor's Corner. Yeah, we're not told what the displays are. He's like, wow, there's a lot of weird, weird stuff, stuff here. stuff here. And that's it. And I wonder if that was intentional, because they're like, we don't know what's in there, so we're just going to have an overview and It's, it's the Adams Family and House. Can, Their house is a museum grow. when people come to see okay. them. <laughs> well, the thing is that Wits End does morph and grow and change over time with various things that kind of become story points or become necessary for certain stuff. They have Inventor's Corner there. That's like the only specific thing. And Wits Workshop. I actually have in my notes, how long has Inventor's Corner... How long is Inventor's Corner there? Because it is in several episodes, but I don't remember it being a fixture for a long time. Well, and I don't remember it really being a plot point ever. Like, not uh... mu- not much. And, and maybe it will be. My first thought was the recent trend in libraries of makerspaces. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's basically a makerspace. And if this was in... 21st century, then I can imagine what's in having 3D printers mm-hmm. and sewing machines and stuff for the kids to have access to. Yeah. And well, go nuts, I mean, make wit, stuff. He would have all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. To, yeah. Laser cutters and, I mean, with proper safety right, you know, right. equipment. So here's a question. Did you have any specific images of Wits End in your head or was it just sort of kind of an amorphous thing? You know, I think that a lot of my images were unfortunately influenced by stuff like the cartoons and by the illustrations on the books and stuff. Uh, If I had anything, any image, it would have been like a large kind of antebellum Victorian house with maybe turrets and stuff that's that's been converted into... That's the picture of what's in. Yeah, and so that's what I have in my mind, unfortunately. Okay, huh. That's funny. I remember, and maybe because I didn't pay as much attention to the covers when I was a kid, but I had certain specific images in my head that then didn't gel always with the illustrations. What's in is weird, like half clear, half amorphous, because I had the counter and the front door, and then the rest of it was like, it had a blue floor for some strange reason, and the rest oh, my, of it My was Whitson like had hardwood floors. Really? <laughs> Your woods end was very fancy. Mine was not. You had just a big space of blue floor and tables somewhere. And then, except the room with Imagination Station in it, everything else was just kind of vague. Um, That's funny. So, Hal Smith. Hal Smith. Yes. Yeah, let's talk for a moment about Hal Smith. So, in Adventures in Odyssey... It's interesting because you don't have a lot of stars show up in the cast. But in the cast, you have some really, really competent and really accomplished actors showing up on a regular basis. Because there are not many stars who do voice acting because radio, particularly in 21st century, 20th and 21st century America, is not this huge glamorous thing. Everybody wants to be on TV rather than yeah. radio. With the exception of things like BBC, we already mentioned, there's a show called Cabin Pressure, had Benedict Cumberpatch in it. It's hilarious and amazing. Pressure. Yeah. But you get lots of people who have very flexible voices, and so they're in a lot of things. And Hal Smith, we looked up his IMDb. So most notably, if you saw him, and this is probably not going to fit your image if you listened to the show. It didn't fit my image of what Mr. Whitaker looks like. Mm -hmm. But if you saw him, the most recognizable role he had was Otis, the drunk in the Andy Andy Griffith Griffith show. 
my, guy who would lock himself in his own cell every night and stuff like that. We did not know that until I think we were getting ready to go on one of the, the cross-country trips that we took, and we were going to go through the Focus on the Family headquarters. I don't know how my dad got this information, but he was the one that told me and my sister that Hal Smith was Otis, and he wanted us to guess. He was like, you know this character. Yeah. Can you guess who else? And we're like, we can't guess. And so he starts saying, Otis, Otis Campbell. We're like, no, he's not Otis. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he's a lot of other stuff, too. So I looked him up on IMDb, and if you scroll through, he is like every cartoon from the... 60s and 70s and he's at least made an appearance 80s and 90s like who's who of cartoons yeah he was owl on the original winnie the pooh film blustery day winnie the pooh yeah he was on ducktales he was on the smurfs he was on the flintstones the flintstones a lot of weird like bit parts and even like weird little tiny bit parts he was the voice of the horse philippe in the movie beauty and the beast yes the original animated yeah and the beast right he was jafar's horse so apparently which i don't even remember jafar having a horse but apparently that was a thing in aladdin he was the slob elephant in jungle book so the elephant that's chewing gum essentially or tobacco and gets or his leaves. haircut. Or leaves. But yeah, he yeah, looks it, like he has a dip. So and apparently Hal had no problem just walking into the studio and making animal sounds into the microphone. Yeah, which is hilarious. So I was just floored by the amount of work that he did besides Adventures in Odyssey, which is yeah. what I knew him from. Well, and primarily. I feel like that's par for the course for audio actors, for voice actors. Yeah. And we'll because probably have similar fun looking up as we're introduced to more and more major other characters. other major characters, yeah. So yeah, that's Hal Smith. And we're introduced to him as John Avery Whitaker. Mm-hmm. Who also is a Sunday school teacher. He's Davy's Sunday school teacher. Yeah, which I don't know that that ever comes up. He mentions, like, I teach Davy in my Bible school class on Sundays. And I was like, really? Because I never hear any reference to that ever again in the show. Well, because we don't hear any reference to Davy again in the show. Do we even hear much about Wit at church or anything like that? I feel like he must go to church, but oh, yeah. I, I, I don't remember. It seems conspicuously feeling, absent from the show. I have a feeling there are other stuff. I do know there are characters like the Barclays where church is a very central part of their story. But I think they have scenes with John Avery Whitaker at church. Okay. It doesn't... I don't I, know how much... It would fit his character to be active in his church. It yeah. seems to me like it would be a good thing for him, but I just don't remember we'll too to, much about remember. that. We'll have to see as we keep listening and I guess that I, becomes a thing. And I like guess I always thought of Wit's End is kind of his ministry. I can't imagine having time to competently run a Sunday school class well, if he's pouring not, into those Whit kids does all Whit the time. because Superman. Because every day is basically Sunday school at Wit's End. Well, yes, um, and we've established already. Mr. Whitaker is the impossible man. So he takes Davy on the tour, and apparently there's stuff in displays that Wit doesn't mind kids playing with that he's picked up in his travels, but they don't say what it is. Yeah. So I was wondering, what are we, Aboriginal spears or 
what are in yeah, these plays. I, I, I don't know. And some, like, oh, and a few inventions of my own. And the kid's totally. like, what, you're an inventor? He's like, oh, yeah, but there's nothing to it. Well, later when we find out some of the stuff that Wit has invented. Uh, yeah, he's like, oh, it depends, it depends on what you mean by inventor. It's like, yeah, no. Well, they might not have known then. Absurd, ridiculous things. Nuts. But anyway, we'll talk about that when so we come to So then he takes Davy in to help him carry out an invention that he made and tells all the kids, this was one of my most important inventions, and pulls out... This gadget, and he pulls it out in front of all of the kids, and he tells them that the name is Wit's Flop, because it's an invention that he started, but then didn't finish, and it never worked. Yeah, and then they start describing it, and I was getting steampunk Rube Goldberg vibes. I wrote down in my notes, Rube Goldberg machine. Because it has all these gears, and then you push the Turn the gear, the gear moves the tray, which turns on the light bulb, bulb, which which, I was like, what what even is going on? (laughs) What am I looking at? But apparently Davy is able to recognize that it's meant to be a photocopier, which... Weird note, because one of the other podcasts that we listened to was talking about they got freaked out that Wit was yelling at Davy to come back when he's like, I can't make it work. I actually, at that point, understood Wit's frustration because I could feel it building. No, I didn't think he was was like roaring at him. No, I didn't think he was yelling, but he sounded frustrated because it has been pulling teeth to try to get Davy to do anything anything yeah so he says i've seen inside photocopy machines there's There's a lot more to them than that and don't make a photocopy with a light bulb i'm just impressed that davy would recognize inside of a photocopy machine because i have used a lot of photocopy (laughs) machines and i open it up and it just looks like a bunch of parts and things and i'm the blinky light comes on And I'm like, well, time to call the technician or find a paper jam. Like, that's the only things I know to do. Well, also, when did photocopy machines come out? And what era of photocopy machine is Mr. Whitaker trying to create? Because modern photocopy machines are very complex. Yeah, you can either fix a paper jam or change the ink or call someone who actually knows knows what they're they're doing. doing. And so then that's when we have the first, at least my first guess at what the point of the show is which actually you mentioned beginning with chris the point seems to be failure can be a good thing or sometimes who you thought was a failure can end up being somebody who's a huge success Mm -hmm. and then with this conversation with davy and mr ricker about the photocopier he tells him he needs to go fix it because davy had broken the handle and it's called responsibility you need to fix what you broke you need to take responsibility for your actions and face your problems. And I was like, okay, so is that the point of the Yeah, show? which is a valid moral lesson. But it's not the driving point. I think it's just wit dispensing wisdom because... As he is wont to do. Because he is basically a giant Pez dispenser of <laughs> wisdom. Um, yes. So you can just expect him to say wise things yeah, you know, yeah. from time to time. So then they set him up in one side of wit's workroom. With all of his tools. And then we have a cheerleading montage. Yeah. Training montage. <laughs> yeah. We hear Wit coaching Davy on inventing the machine. Gee, but it does play out. Thought, I thought that he was going to let Davy go. But no, essentially it's Mr. Whitaker doing the inventing. Yeah. yeah it's like, <laughs> and he's always like, go, 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 go. Like he's Rocky running up the steps. Yeah. <laughs> you know, turn the crank. Wax turn on. the crank. Wax on. Yeah. So, um, but he does get the machine working. And he even says... Let's make something useful out of it. This is not useful, and it's not going to work at my 
initial purpose. So let's make it into something useful. What could we do? Yeah, and, and so they, the, how long are they working on it, though? Because well, we're not told, but then we have this big reveal where he brings it out in front of the kids again. It's the same group of kids that had seen Davy break the copier in the first place. The copier that was already broken. I don't know why everyone was harassing him. But that leads me to my question is, why do they wait to test their prototype until they're in front of everyone? Should this oh, that's not right, have... because it's not talked about. Yeah, should this not have they happened in the lab? He hadn't actually known whether or not it would work. Yeah, rule one of inventing. <laughs> don't it... test your prototype in front of an audience. That's how you get supervillains. So. Yes, exactly. So anyway, they get a short fuse. Yeah, yeah. It, things short circuit. And they it talk about it blowing up. I guess it doesn't blow up. It just sparks. And Davy has a fit. Whatever. Davy has some serious emotional issues about this. He storms out. Man. Just He completely freaks and runs away. The other kids heckle him, and he just boohoos. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and then Mr. Whitaker comes out to talk to him. So they talk about what they had done with the machine, though. They replaced where the light bulb would go in with a heating coil. And they kind of hint at what they intend the machine to be. Mm -hmm. They've essentially turned it into an oven. It's a big box with a metal sliding tray on it that goes under the heating coil and passes mm -hmm. under and whatever. Mm -hmm. But it shorts out and so all yeah. of that. So Wit goes out and... Tries to cheer Davy up with some delicious pizza. He's carrying around, I guess, a plate okay, full of pizza. Okay, so this is frozen pizza. And he talked about their small... Uh, he didn't say that it's frozen pizza. Yeah, no, there's... Okay, so I'm gathering clues from the conversation. Wit calls them those little pizzas. Okay, sure. Davy, later in the conversation, talks about frozen pizza. We can have our whole line of frozen pizzas. Well, that's okay, after everything goes wrong. Small frozen pizzas has... Anybody ever had one of those small frozen pizzas? And been like, mm, delicious. That's like, great pizza. And I feel like we're doing a ton of nitpicking here, but it's, some of this is funny. It's like the Jim Gaffigan Hot Pockets routine. Hot Pockets. Wow, these thing, are like, delicious. Wonderful pizzas. Maybe it's the wonder of, oh my gosh, we created an oven from a copy machine and it actually cooks the pizza. But anyway, so Wit comes out here to comfort Davy and ply him with pizza. With plying with pizza. And, and Davy does not understand when people are coming by and saying thank you so much for the pizza that it actually worked. Yeah. Which, until which until he should have, Wit spells it out. Which him. he should have figured out from the context. Yes. But more importantly here during the conversation is where we get to kind of the meat of the moral lesson of what this episode is trying to teach. Mm -hmm. And Wit, as he sits and dispenses wisdom. And he tells him the story about Thomas Edison failing Which multiple I, times. I wonder if the quote... Well, one thing I wondered is, is the quote apocryphal? Do we not know for sure that Edison said it's that It's a story line? I've heard many times. Yeah, I've heard that story too, but, but I wonder, the way that he told it... It sounded wonder, more apocryphal than an actual quote. Yeah, because he doesn't say Edison said we have 500 ways... 500 things that don't work. Yeah, 500 things that don't um, work. He tells the story. He, well, in he might have as, said something like might, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so I was like, were they not able to find out whether or not Edison actually said that? And so they had to write it in such a way that. Yeah, so it's such actual. a thing may not be actual historical fact. Mm. Or maybe I haven't done any research on it. Neither have I. I just I'm not sure I care enough. But, but um, I was just a, a interesting 
But it dialogue. is interesting. And I noticed that too. I was like, oh, because I'd always thought that was historical. Mm-hmm. So there's a big thing about no quitting. Kind of this winners never quit kind of thing. If Thomas Edison could try over and over yeah. again and reach success, then you can too. Then he brings in all things work together for good. And he yeah, actually that... talks about the reference, which... Do you remember them bringing in specific Bible verses? I think so. I remember them but... doing that. Like, Mr. Whitaker could just say, this reference, this verse, says... Yeah, I know. think that was a regular thing okay, on the show. Okay. I don't know. It's but, Maybe but my editor brain is going, and one of my thoughts was, did they make it a point to have a specific scripture each show? I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah, it might be. I'm not sure that this verse really ties with the theme. It sort of does, but it felt to me like a little bit of a stretch, kind of. Well, and maybe that's why I then asked the question. Yeah. Do they want one in every show? Because I guess it sort of works, but it feels a little proof texty. The passage that he references is Romans 8.28. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. It's interesting because I just read in the past week a book called A Divine Cordial by Thomas Watson, who was a Puritan author. And the whole book was a kind of meditation on this passage. Mm -hmm. And his title of the book, A Divine Cordial, the word cordial means a medicine. And the overarching metaphor is this idea that just like a doctor might mix together different chemicals that are in themselves toxic in order to make a healthful healing medicine for a person who needs it. God takes all of the circumstances that come into our lives and works everything together for the good of believers and for the good of those who he has called according to his purpose, which is a really cool and comforting Mm -hmm. thing for someone who is in Christ Mm -hmm. to look at All of the problems that we face, all of our own weaknesses, all of our own struggles, Mm -hmm. along with all of the good things, all of the blessings, all of the gifts that he's given us, that they all work together for our good and for God's glory. And one thing that Witt mentions in the episode is it takes time. And I appreciated that. And although I felt like the episode fell a little bit thin on what could have been that meditation. All of Davy's klutziness may work together for his sanctification to get a bit over himself. Yeah, which honestly, if they had done that, that would have been a stronger way to handle it. Rather than, hey, by the way, your invention that you failed at does turn out making pizza. Sometimes things working together for our good does not mean that we are successful at everything even if things take time. And I do like that Wit said, it takes time and it might take years and it Mm -hmm. might take a lifetime. Yeah. And I think that's actually a pretty honest look at, you know, sometimes this side of eternity, we're not going to know why things happen. And sometimes we need to take things on faith and just fall on God's grace and say, wow, life sucks right now, but I trust that you're good anyway and that you're working behind the scenes and something to take away from this it felt a little thin but also this is a kids show right so life might suck right now meaning your screw-ups losses the game and you feel awful yeah and you feel like you can't do anything and then it's been a terrible horrible no good very bad day you broke the planter you 
tipped over the backstop. You're yeah, trying yeah. to work on this invention and it's not working. It's kid level problems. It's kid level problems. And sometimes that's okay. And sometimes you need to remember that God still is working things together for your good as a kid. Yeah. And that's as true when you're six years old or when you're in your 30s <laughs> or till the day I die. Yeah. You know? And that's absolutely true. So, so all that said, though, I'm not sure that's the lesson that Davy really gets. Because I think so. I think he, they sum up with, so what are you going to do the next time you fail? Never quit. Never quit. And I was like, okay, so we have multiple conflicting messages going on here. And all of them are good. All of them have mm-hmm. value. Never quit is itself a good moral. Mm-hmm. But the episode just feels a little bit disjointed to me. Mm. Davy then goes into full-on, when he finds out that the machine is actually a success. Oh, he goes into full-on castle building. Yeah, he's like, we could start our new restaurant chain, and we could have our own line of frozen pizzas, and trips over something. or Garbage can. Yeah, and that reminds him, oh, maybe I just need to get over myself a little bit. And that's the end of the episode. It's a really... It ends on a fun note. Yeah, and it's a very, very straightforward story. There's point A to point B to point C, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't really waste much time on fluff. No. It goes very, very quickly. Yeah. So then we get back, or do you have more to say on that? No, but I have something to say on the way that Chris and Stan... The plumber stand. Actually reminded me of how we do house projects. How so? Well, most of the time when we're trying to do house projects... I break stuff and you fix it? No. They involve stuff that we're not competent on plumbing. Most of the time we're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And so we're fumbling along and we're totally scared we're going to break something and... Yeah, it just depends on the type of skilled labor. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like electrician stuff. Oh my goodness. No, please. Never. Anyhow, but we get back to them and Chris reveals the mystery man that she was talking about, this guy who was a failure at a lot of things until he succeeded. And it was Abraham Lincoln. Actually, I was thinking it was Abraham Lincoln before we got to the end of the show. Yeah, not really a surprise if you know anything about Lincoln. Mm -hmm. But again, it doesn't tie with that all things work together theme. It just becomes... She doesn't show how his failures made him a success. Right. She just says, he failed a lot, and then he was successful. Well, she says he probably knew that passage that Wit told. Okay, so... So, what I wrote down was... Did he? Do did, we have well, proof yeah, of did that? He? Or? This is, is this an area in which... Because... Okay, we're going to pause for a second here and do a little cultural history. Growing up in a Christian household in the 90s, you got a lot of... We were homeschooled, so that even yeah. a lot of this message that the founding fathers were Christians, which is not entirely true. It's not entirely true, it's and it's entirely not entirely false. false. So there's a degree to which it's not straight up revisionist history, right? Right. But it's a it's a little more black and white than the situation actually was. So for Chris to say, I bet he knew, or he probably knew that scripture, Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good while he was going through all of these things. Maybe he had read that passage, but that was not necessarily the central point of his life. So his focus on the family at this point revealing their bias, that they're assuming all of the founding fathers were yeah, and we'll, Yeah, and we'll probably get it, well... Abraham Lincoln wasn't one of the founding fathers, but he is a pinnacle of American culture. And Odyssey is nothing if not rah-rah America. Yes. Which is some of it good and some of it problematic, Mm. which we'll wrestle Mm. with when we come up to it. And yeah, it's possible. I don't know. 
we'll have to see as, yeah, it's, as it, the series it was a very progresses. Small thing, so. so I yeah, I I noticed it, but I also we could be so cynical and nitpicky about so many things. Right, we've done a lot of nitpicking. We love Adventures in Odyssey. Yeah, we're not here Anybody to be, we're not here to be cynical. We're here to have fun with this. Yes. So yeah, my biggest nitpick is did this really help prove the theme? And I don't feel like it does particularly. Yeah. But also, I give this episode tons and tons of grace because it's a pilot. Sure. And pilot episodes for any show ever are always raw. The writers, the staff, no one really knows what this show is going to grow into. And so you got to start putting stuff down and making stuff and let the show breathe and evolve as it goes on. And Odyssey absolutely does. It does. It does get stronger. This is one of its weaker episodes. It does get much stronger. Based on my memory, I feel like it gets stronger when they start doing arcs. When they have more, more recurring characters, characters and they're building characters and it's well, we'll see. I, I have fond memories of a lot of these one-offs as well. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just continue as we go. I don't really have anything more to say. I think yeah, no, it, I'm done too. It's, it's a fun early episode. Do you have any think, other closing thoughts? No, I, I don't have any further closing thoughts beyond thank you guys for hanging out with us. Yeah, thanks for thanks for giving it a listen for all three of you. you uh, Welcome along. (laughs) (laughs) Whoever is out there, if you want to find us and talk to us more about Adventures and Odyssey because you simply can't get enough of it, where can they find you, babe? They can email us. You can at email us. Our publishing company. And what's email, our email address? The email address is serpentanddovespecfic. That's all one word. At gmail.com. Just put podcast in the subject line and send us your questions comments what have you whatever you think about the shows that we talk about we would love if you want to listen along with us and give us your thoughts that would make this even more fun we would love to just interact about this talk about it if you hear this show and you can rate and review it please do that as well because then that helps us it helps the show become more visible and we'll have more than three people listening (laughs) yeah hi mom (laughs) stop it Alright, anyway, (laughs) goodbye, good night, or afternoon, or morning, or whenever you're listening to this, and uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.